0: G'day, Richard here. As you may know, we're back and making new podcasts, but with work commitments we may not finish a new podcast every week, so we're planning to handpick some of our favourite episodes from our back catalogue and republish them with an updated commentary of why we liked each episode and what has changed about the subject since the podcast originally aired. Last time I handpicked a show, it was an episode where I spoke to Dr. Sarah Hulberg, who has shepherded one of the most important clinical studies to date to show the effects of the ketogenic diet treating and reversing type 2 diabetes, but also reversing cardiovascular disease, biomarkers, and fatty liver disease. The next episode I'd like to reintroduce is episode 113, Thomas Seyfried May Have Just Cured Cancer. And first off the bat, I really want to admit culpability for that totally horrid link bait title. That was some shocking malarkey of my own, right there. What I should have said was that Professor Seyfried has a novel hypothesis about tumor cells that may shake up our treatment of cancer and has begun the experimental effort to test this hypothesis. I guess that long title wouldn't have worked well as a podcast title, though. The reason I chose this subject is that this particular episode intersected in three interesting ways with my biochem undergraduate degree. Firstly, it was recorded during my first semester, and while I was doing an undergraduate chemistry and biology subjects, I also was looking forward to biochemistry that would come in second year, and I decided that semester to take a a brief detour into human biology and nutrition. OMG, that was the worst subject. I literally had to rote learn all the things I knew to be incorrect and parrot them off in the exam and promptly forget them. For example, one of the exam questions was, explain why it's not possible for free-living people to eat a low-carb ketogenic diet. And the answer was... If you don't have access to a respiratory gas exchange measurement, you can't know if you're running on glucose or fatty acids because the body can make and store glucose. Another exam question is explain why dieters shouldn't choose a low-carbohydrate beer with 6% alcohol compared to a regular beer with 3% alcohol. And, of course, it was all about calories in, calories out, and calories coming from ethanol. So the second time this podcast intersected with my degree, I was – Well, I always re-listen to podcasts, and I really re-listened to this podcast right after I did that exam to wash the malarkey of that exam off. Anyway, after the semester was over, I ran into the lecturer and I asked him what my respiratory quotient of 0.68 meant. He gave me this weird look and said, that's impossible. If you burn only glucose, your RQ is 1.0. If you burn only fatty acids, your RQ is 7. I suggested he look into the stoichiometry of ketone oxidation. Anyway, the third time this episode intersected with my degree was in honours, I was studying the biophysical properties of the inner mitochondrial membrane in response to dietary fatty acids, and I needed to get a baseline of the constituent cardiolipin phospholipids in a mouse liver mitochondria and i found a paper describing some of that information to my surprise the principal investigator was thomas Seyfried, and i contacted him and he was very helpful and he introduced me to some of the world's best mitochondrial membrane experts anyway i'm working on documenting my study right now for a peer-reviewed publication and i'm happy to say that i can cite the previous work of thomas Seyfried in my thesis anyway on to the show hope you enjoy it thanks when I started, I was very sick with complications from type 2 diabetes. Within six months of starting a ketogenic diet, all of my biomarkers of disease had disappeared. I've lost about 100 pounds, and I've completely turned my health around.
1: Look, we speak about how much weight we've lost, and sure, that's a thing you can easily see on the surface about yeah. how much we've changed about our lives. But And it's true that losing respectively 80 and 100 pounds and keeping it off... Uh, respectively, two in four years is such an unusual achievement to be virtually impossible if you follow conventional wisdom. Mm -hmm. We've done the virtually impossible, lost a lot of weight, and kept it off. But weight may be the least important measurement of how our lives
0: have changed. We've both reversed our type 2 diabetes. We've come off medications. And the common advice is that type 2 diabetes is a progressive disease. Once you have it, it only gets worse. Four years ago, I was heavily diabetic and in danger of losing a toe. Today, I'm normal, non-diabetic, healthy, and fitter than I've ever
1: been. And this show is a document of our experiences thriving for years in ketosis. And saving toes. (laughs) And hopefully that might help a few people who are curious about this kind of dietary hacking. Yeah, we're not doctors. We don't want to give anyone any medical
0: advice, but we are keen to share our own experiences. We're actually both software developers, so we're not afraid of a little technical detail, are we, Carl? (laughs) know-how. We have done some research into our own deranged metabolisms and the science behind that. We hope to share some of that research. Where possible, we intend to put links in the show notes to cite research supporting any claims that we make.
1: You'll probably work out pretty quickly that we're both foodies. Oh, yeah. We love to cook Mm -hmm. and we love to eat. Yep. In every episode, we both share a keto recipe that cannot, will not, and shall not be ignored. (laughs) It shall not, no. (laughs) So let's start podcast number 113. Thomas Seyfried may have just cured cancer. You say you're little? So Richard, do we have any apologies or corrections from last week's show? Yeah,
0: last week's show was 112. Jessica Turton, scientist and dietitian. Uh, right. There is one errata. I forgot to put any links in the show notes, so I oh. missed uh, a link to her study that she did and uh, to the recipes that we did, so uh,
1: I shall uh, fix those up, and my apologies. Well, by the time you're listening to this, those have been fixed, so go get them. hmm Well, okay, let's revisit what a ketogenic diet is. A ketogenic diet is a diet uh, where you don't eat any sugar or starch, simple as
0: that. You get all of your energy from fat. It's either fat on your body- <sighs> That's right, or it's fat on your plate, and uh, we just get a minimum amount of protein, the amount of protein that we need to maintain our our lean muscle mass, um, and all of our energy,
1: yeah, it's all from fat. Yeah, that's right. So, how was your week, my
0: friend? I had a fascinating week. So, (laughs) I started the week in New London, Connecticut, Yeah, doing a keto mini-fest. Yeah. Then uh, we went to Nina Taishol's place in yep. New York and uh, played with her puppy Scamp yep. uh, while she did a recording for another podcast. Yeah. And after that, I flew back to Australia and uh, the. Almost an hour after I got off the plane, I was in a massive tutorial, last minute tutorial for my mid semester exams. Whoa! Um, I know, right? And with jet lag and everything, and uh, then the next day we went to an auction. We bought a house. <laughs> so, <laughs> congratulations! Thank you, thank you. So uh, so we've had a we've had a big week. Um, I've got my mid semester exams next week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. So uh, I'm going to be a, bit, a little bit scarce for a while. Um, wow! So I can predict what 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 my next week is going to be. It's going to be lots of revision and uh, lots of panic. <laughs> so
1: um, so that was my week. How was yours? Well, it, it was great. Of course, you brought up the Keto Mini Fest. We did this mm-hmm. together in New yeah. London at what was the Spark Makerspace last mm-hmm. year at Keto Fest, the, the kitchen. And this year, uh, it's got a new name and a new owner. It's uh, RD86, and Chef Robert Ramsey is the uh, mm-hmm. owner, proprietor. And uh, we basically did a meetup, uh, the New London Ketogenic Meetup group. This is something that I started, mm. and now it's got over 250 members. Nice. Yep. And uh, I just decided to do a, you know, to host our own sort of mini keto fest, and you agreed. And yeah, man, it was great. You made your. Well, I'll, I'll let you tell everybody what you made. So I did uh, salmon in a bag
0: with uh, salmon skin bacon uh, and a fennel salad, and I did some chocolates, but they were a bit of a failure. I used, uh, I bought some lemon myrtle uh, essence, which is a very potent uh, limonene essence, similar to the same uh, lemon flavour that you get in lemongrass. Mm. Uh, I only needed to use one drop; I used ten, so it was really quite quite powerful. (laughs) The problem was I was making the chocolate in a bag, so I couldn't taste test. my mixtures beforehand, and I was using a a, a new bottle of uh, lemon essence, which uh, this lemon myrtle essence, which was uh, uh, an unknown factor. So uh, it's one of these this things you, you know you get better at it the second time you do it. I
1: thought it was hilarious, uh, Chef Roberts' reaction to he's like, <laughs> "Wait a minute, this is the worst thing I've ever eaten, and yet I can't stop eating it." I know, it's right? It's like he's the like, flavor yeah. is here, and then it's over here. This is really
0: <laughs> weird. Yeah. <laughs> and it also used allulose. And I, I also wasn't experienced with uh, dosing of allulose. And so yeah. uh, I probably should have, it should have been a little bit more sweet. And so he was reacting to both the really strong lemon essence flavor, but also the the, the fact that the sugar doesn't come at you like
1: regular sugar. No, it, it has, doesn't. You know, so I think it actually, um, t- you you taste it on the sides of your tongue. I don't that think could you get be, it yeah. where, where the sugar is. That's what's weird about allulose. Yeah, so that was compounding to Robert's experience.
0: Uh-huh. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, I'm standing right here. This is the worst thing you've ever tasted. <laughs> and you're a professional chef. It, stop eating it quick.
1: However, he <laughs> really did love everything else that we made the salmon. Oh, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, you know, we knocked it out of the park. I made beef short ribs, braised mm-hmm. short ribs. Yeah. And what was interesting is um, I wanted to do my cauliflower mash, right? <laughs> Right, and he was like, "Oh no, 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 no! Let's elevate this a little bit." And so, yeah. he had me take cauliflower and slice it into steaks, right? Or, you know, or pieces. Roast those, and I, I chose to do that with a little olive oil on the bottom of the pan, but nothing on the top except a little turmeric, salt, and pepper. Yeah, it's real dry roasted. Yeah, yeah. So it was a little. It was soft on the bottom, and and you know, kind of crunchy or crispy anyway, and brown on the mm. top and then i made a smoked gouda cheese sauce using trisodium citrate yep. and put that over that mm. and then what he thought would be a good idea was to chop some leeks really fine right and, you know into strips and actually brenda zorn's friend liz myers yeah. came down took a, a 4 hour ride to come down here And she ended up doing the leek cutting, and she cut those things so thin and so nice. Her knife skills were great. And then he fried them. So they were kind of like the crispy fried onions that you get on top of your ribeye at a really nice restaurant, you know? Yeah, the garnish. The garnish. But they were delicious. They were like little Mm -hmm. onion rings. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, uh, I made uh, Kim Howerton's recipe for keto eclairs and they were just great too so everybody had a good time but the highlight of keto mini fest really was megan ramos coming on skype actually we use yeah. zoom yeah and, but she answered for like an hour she answered questions from the audience and that was great yeah it's very generous
0: for, for us it was really a test of the facilities for keto fest because this was a new restaurant we'd never cooked in before yeah. uh, although we had cooked in it last year when it was in this configuration of the spark makerspace mm-hmm. there was no longer the woodshed in the back and there was no longer all of the 3d printing uh, electronic right. workshops and so mm. it really was a, it, a an entirely different uh, kitchen with entirely different set of people running it yeah. and I tell you the difference was chalk and cheese oh yeah Robert and his team supported us like uh, like we'd never been supported before. It was yeah, like a it was perfect amazing. safety net. We were able to do some remarkable stuff. And I'm looking forward to the the big Keto Fest in July, uh, July yeah. 21. That, that's going to be off the hook.
1: Well, I also scheduled another Keto Mini Fest in New London for May 26th, Saturday, May 26th. So if you want to check that out, if you're in the area, go to minifest.2keto.com. Yeah. There's more to my week, though, Mm because we started doing live streaming this week. Oh, yes, we did. (laughs) Yeah. I figured out a technology to be able to stream simultaneously to YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch, which is owned by Amazon. Mm -hmm. And uh, so so I've been doing that almost daily since we figured out how to do it. Yeah, and something that we
0: want to do for our
1: patrons, right? Among other things. Yeah, not just our patreons, but and uh, uh, anybody, right? I mean, we we mm. I plan to go down to RD86 and do some stuff in the test kitchen with Robert and stream that live. Nice. Another thing we did this week was put up the Keto Fest website, right? The Eventbrite site where we're mm. selling tickets. So the the yeah. Kickstarter is over. We were successful. Now mm-hmm. we're selling tickets. Uh, to the general public, of course. Yeah. The prices went up a little bit, but, you know, prices gone up a bit, but, you know, mm-hmm. we, we have to give something to the Kickstarter people. And yep. it's just ketofest.com. Mm. Just uh, type that in, it maps over there now. Nice. There is one more thing that I need to say. Mm. Um, I was hired by Dr. Ken Berry, who's now my doctor, to read the audible version of his book, Lies My Doctor Told Me.
0: Oh, nice.
1: Yeah. And you'll do a really good job of that. You've got a good voice for radio. <laughs> yeah, I do. I've, I've heard that. And
2: uh,
1: <laughs> and he's really happy about it. I've already done the the prologue in two chapters, and uh, it should be done fairly soon. So nice. look for that. I'm very excited about it. Mm. All right. Well, let's give away some swag. And you know what? We're not giving away a coffee mug today. No? No. We're giving away a signed copy of Lies My Doctor Told Me. By Dr. Ken Barry. Oh, nice. Yeah. And uh, we picked one lucky member of the Two Keto Dudes fan club to win today. Mm-hmm. And the fan club is essentially easy to join. You go to fanclub.twoketo.com, you answer mm-hmm. a few quick questions, yeah. and uh, you give us your email address, and you're in the running. So we picked a, a name at random today to mm-hmm. win this book. Yeah. Who's our winner for today? Well, her first name is Harpa. But I don't, I can't, I don't think I can pronounce her last name. Do you want me to have a crack at it? Yeah, sure. So this is Harpa Gudjonsdottir, which is clearly an Icelandic name. Okay. Gudjonsdottir? Gudjonsdottir. I was just going to call her Harpa G. Yeah, that works too. Congratulations, Harpa. Congratulations, (laughs) Harpa. And uh, yeah, Dr. Barry, will be sending that to you. Toot sweet. Mm-hmm. And
0: if you don't want to wait to win some swag, you can buy all sorts of it online at gear2
1: Yes, you can. All right, it's time to read some, uh, what is it? Oh, yeah. Mail! Mail. And I might just put a new letterbox.
2: <laughs> Mail!
0: Mail. <laughs>
1: Carl always has to get it the last word in. Mail. I, I have to get the last word. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you got it. You got it today, my friend. Uh-huh. <laughs> mail, mail, <coughs> no, sorry. All right, I'll go first. This is a five-star review uh, on iTunes, which is also called Apple Podcasts now. Yeah, thank you for every one of those stars. Much appreciated. And the title of this is Life Changing. Oh, I started keto November 14th, 2017. Today's April 7th, nice. 2018. Mm-hmm. Thus far, I've lost 80 pounds and feel amazing. Wow. Carl and Richard have kept me company and given me the support and science I needed. I can't say enough about the impact of this podcast, and it's fun and entertaining, too. <laughs> if I were to rate podcasts by positive impact, this is the one at the top of the list. I love this podcast enough to support it financially. Enough said. Oh, thank you very much. Wow.
0: This is a common story that we hear people, you know, in five months' time, you lose 80 pounds and you feel yep. great. This is this is what, pretty much what happened to me. I lost uh, 80 pounds in the first five months and then it took me about three years to lose another 20 pounds. So, yeah. um, you know, and uh, thank you very much for uh, offering to support us. If you want to do that, go to uh, patreon2 Com.
1: Yeah, I also want to mention that since I started doing these live streams and I've done two mm. or three of them now, um, mm. I, you know, I like to ask people, you know, what are your experiences? And, man, just it, it's just like one after another, 40 pounds, 50 pounds, 80 pounds, 100 pounds, yeah. you know, and, and in a very short amount of time, 100 pounds in a year, you know. Yeah, and that's virtually impossible, remember? Yeah, that's what they
0: say. Mm-hmm. All right, what you got? So I've got one from the forum. This is from Eliaconia, and uh, Eliaconia says, it's nearly 1 a.m., and my energy is so high. I'm so happy right now because for the first time in a long time, I'm in no pain. Wow. I had enough energy to clean and do laundry without feeling totally wiped out and exhausted. I even walked a longer distance from my car to a store without difficulty breathing. This is a major for me. And I have nowhere to share it with anyone, so I thought I could post it here on the forum. I was at a birthday party last night and there was a cake right there and I wasn't even desiring or craving it. It didn't even phase me. That's I great. ate my greens and my protein, and I socialized. I was so upbeat and happy and chatty. It was like the old me had surfaced, the one who lights up a room because I had that special something. I have been intermittent fasting for a week, and I'm totally new at this, and tomorrow and Saturday I'm fasting until Sunday morning. Just to feel like myself again and have so much energy is such a win for me, to be fully mm. present and engaging with my friends and my children and to feel normal again, to feel sassy. To me, that is a really good result. I have no clue if I lost or gained because I felt relief that I figured out what's going on with me. And there's a way to heal and reverse illness without medication. Yeah. This energy is insane. I hope I can get to sleep. That's how awake I am. Anyway, I hope this is okay to post because I'm new to posting on this type of forum. Look, all I got to say is (laughs) just bring the sassy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Come to the forum and bring the sassy.
1: Yeah, that's right. Well done, well done. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, we have an interview with Thomas Seyfried that we recorded uh, a couple of weeks ago, or maybe it was about yeah. a week and a half ago, Yeah, when I went to Boston. Yeah, and I was in Australia. Yeah, and you were in Australia, and so yep. uh, I actually went to a Professor Seyfried's office at Boston College, and we sat down, we set up uh, all the stuff, and mm-hmm. we had a great, great talk about cancer and uh, ketogenic yeah. diet. So, Mm. here it is. Well, I'm here at Boston College with none other than Professor Thomas Seyfried. Thanks for being on our show. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be here. It's an honor for us.
0: I just want to say first off the bat that uh, when I was first looking into a ketogenic diet for my own type 2 diabetes, I came upon some of your YouTube presentations, and they were fascinating. They weren't what I was interested in. I was interested in diabetes, and they were all about cancer and about uh, a novel uh, explanation for how we get cancer and how we can put pressure on it uh, to try and uh, help our body get rid of it. Uh, But I found them fascinating, and uh, I always intended one day to get back into it and and understand a little bit more about it. Uh, And I just wanted to thank you for putting those out there and, and providing a fascinating interlude. Can you tell us a little bit about your theory?
3: That cancer is a mitochondrial metabolic disease?
2: Yeah,
0: Well, that
3: theory started with Otto Warburg back in the 1920s, Mm. when he deduced that the high production of lactic acid in uh, a variety of cancer cells uh, was the result of a disruption of oxidative phosphorylation. Right. He had very powerful and convincing evidence from many experiments to suggest that this oxphos ability to respire in the presence of air, oxygen, was defective because you know Louis Pasteur with his work on yeast showed that the yeasts will ferment in the absence of oxygen.
2: Sure.
3: When oxygen comes into the environment the yeast stops fermenting and begins to respire. Yeasts are a very flexible uh, organism. Right. You know we can't as uh, as, yeah. uh, as a species we and mammals can't can't do that. Uh, we, we, we you know <laughs> we can, we can't just go and hibernate in a in a, in a fermentation metabolism uh, for very long. But it it turns out that the cancer cell is um, is able to ferment, but is incapable of of uh, respiring oxygen when put back Hmm. into the oxygen. So, so this is this has been referred to as the Warburg effect by others. Not Otto. Otto never said this is my effect. The me effect. He never (laughs) said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it was um, Ephraim Racker at Cornell University who defined this as the Warburg effect. Which is the continual production of lactic acid in the presence of oxygen? You know, this had been a a, a common phenomenon uh, across all cancers of spe- of various species, even plants, even really? the cancer, even the plants. The plant can't metastasize, but mm. that's because they don't have an immune system, right? And and I have in my writings with with my colleagues have said that metastatic cancer is actually a, a macrophage. It's a energy destabilization in in cells of our immune system. Right. So if uh, plants can have a growth, Mm. um, uh, they call it crown gall disease. Mm. It has all of the metabolism that Otto Warburg would describe in cancer cells, but they don't metastasize. And plants don't have an immune system, so you're not going to get metastasis. Yeah. But when you have that same defect occurring in macrophages you get metastatic potential mm. so you, you don't have to invent a whole bunch of new genes and all that's all nonsense right. so um but anyway getting back to Warburg well it became it, 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 things got confusing because uh, many people said that um, cancer cells continue to take up oxygen despite the fact that they ferment right so so they were led to believe um, uh, that the cells are both respiring and fermenting at the same time. Hmm. And, um, you know, this is uh, doesn't make any sense um, t- to me. anybody who understands some ba- basic biochemistry sure. of different different organisms. It makes no sense. Yet it became the persistent view because if Warburg were in fact correct, hmm. then, you know, most of what we're doing in the cancer field makes no sense anyway. <laughs> so Warburg obviously could not be correct. It was because the field said he couldn't be correct. Right.
0: <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is the Nobel Prize winning War, Otto Warburg. Clearly yeah. could not be correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, but he didn't get the Nobel
3: Prize for his work in cancer. Right. Uh, even, he might have been nominated, but he, he got yeah. it for the cytochrome oxidase. The, the key yeah. enzyme involved in respiration, by the way. Sure. Mm. But the, I think that his uh, sternness and rigidity about you know what he felt was the origin of the disease uh, was swept away uh, with the findings that uh, you have gene mutations in cancer,
2: yeah, you right. know,
3: and that became the new um, uh, phenom back in the 1950s and 60s, mm, and sure. it was like it was like an addiction. Mm. You know, people just forgot about everything else and ran after all these genes.
1: Well, it's also a sort of an endless mystery that we could spend decades and years and, you know, lifetimes figuring out and spend billions of dollars getting to the bottom of, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's like the ultimate puzzle.
3: Yeah, well, genes. you know, at first, you know, everybody was uh, swept away, but because it seemed logical. Yeah. Mm. Um, it seemed like maybe these mutations are in fact causing cancer. Right. Um, because that uh, years ago, uh, Theodore Bovary um, claimed that cancer was a disorder of, of chromosomal imbalances. That was back in the early 1900s. Mm. yet his, yet his friend Hammerschlag, um, I believe that's his name, Hammerschman or something one of these names who 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 showed him the chromosomes felt that the chromosome abnormalities were coming from something else they weren't the origin of the disease they were an effect of cancer mm. but Bovary said no, and Bovary never looked at a, a tumor preparation. this is amazing <laughs> yeah. so his very his very <laughs> uh, he was a very famous guy. he proved uh, that uh, uh, Mendel's genes were actually on chromosomes right, which was a massive achievement back then, yes. And then, of course, chromosomes are abnormal in cancer. Nobody denies this. Most mm. cancers, not all, have chromosomal in- defects. Yeah. I believe Duisberg and his colleagues at Berkeley believes that this uh, chromosomal instability is the origin of cancer. Mm. I-, I look at I look at all this stuff as uh, downstream epiphenomenon. It's it's uh, an effect, not the cause. Right. And uh, but Warmberg was pretty much thrown under the bus. Everybody ran off into thought. The gene thing was was the really big, you know. In me, I, I could care less what it was at the time. Mm. Um, you know, you study in the textbook that it's a genetic disease, and you know, you just do this so you can get a grade in your genetics exam. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's not it's yeah. not really something that impacts you. Yeah. Other other than to get a grade,
0: I'm actually doing my first genetics exam uh, in two weeks' time. Surprisingly enough. I yeah. decided to go back to university and do biochemistry at the ripe young age of fifty-two years.
3: Yeah, Carl. Carl was—he was just telling me that's—that's that's, yeah. uh, commendable. That's commendable. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so a lot of people think that, um, and I hear this all the time that you know if you just starve the cancer cells of glucose, you know they just shrivel up and die. But it's—it's it's more complex than that, right? It's—it's it's a little more
3: complex. It's not a terribly uh, – it's not a big – they use glutamine also. So this mm. was the issue. Besides glucose, uh, the tumor cells will also use glutamine. Okay. And um, the glutamine is also fermented, mm, which is really? interesting. Yeah. Yes. So it's amino acid fermentation. Right. And uh, Hokatchka, years ago, took uh, aquatic animals – Mm-hmm. And held them underwater, and now you can't do these kinds of experiments today. But he right. did this back in nineteen early seventies, and he took seals and uh, turtles and um, a, a, a dolphin or so these, a um, you know, porpoise or something like mm-hmm. this. He would strap them to a board and hold them underwater. Ugh. And of course, they were adapted to they were adapted to live underwater, but not sure. when somebody's holding them under there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> but but. Um, what he noticed was the tremendous amount of lactic acid and uh, succinic acid was right. pouring into the bloodstream of these animals that were held underwater. Now, they, of course, the animals didn't die. They were mm-hmm. not drowned. They were, uh, they were just held under there mm-hmm. to see you know, what are the metabolites that are changing. And succinic acid um, is, is a waste product of amino acid fermentation. Wow. And we know the cancer cells are also uh, blowing out succinic acid. Right. It stabilizes HIF and which is an oncogene for allowing a, 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 um, a hypoxic inducible factor. In other words, okay. when you stop breathing, uh, you better start fermenting. Yeah. And what HIF is a transcription factor that uh, upregulates glucose import into the so cells can ferment, mm. and um, so basically, what these uh, aquatic animals were doing was they were they were adapted to ferment, yeah. and what they fermented were was glucose and uh, and glutamine. Fascinating. And, and, it, yeah. and if you go, if you go back in the history of the Earth before oxygen came on the planet,
2: mm.
3: uh, all living organisms at that time were fermenters. Obviously, sure. there's no yeah, oxygen. Exactly. Right. Yeah. yeah. So they fermented amino acids and any carb that you could, you know, different types of carbs. Mm. So they were able to survive. And they could survive as long as they had fermentable fuels in the microenvironment. And as soon as the fermentable fuels disappeared, they died. Right. So Uh. unbridled proliferation as long as the the fuel for fermentation uh, were present.
1: Right. So does that suggest that cancer is a very ancient cancer? Kind of- is
3: the the pathways that cancer is you are, are the cancer cells? All cancers are exactly the same disease. They're all the same. They do exactly the same thing. So they all ferment. Yeah. And they they will ferment either glucose or glutamine or both. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So um, so ketogenic diets handle one part of the problem. They'll mm. remove. They'll re- reduce the glucose. And people respond remarkably well, but um, you'll say, you know, the tumors can sometimes come back a- 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 after a while. Hmm. And people say, "Oh, yeah, they're adapting." You see how tough they are? They're starting to ferment glutamine. They're, all right, they're going for the right. glutamine. Yeah, I don't know of any tumor cell that can survive without glucose and glutamine. Yeah, checkmate.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so how do you how do you depress glutamine? I, I yeah, how do you do? That? Oh, how not easy.
3: Okay, well, you know, it's a little. You got to be a little um, crafty. <laughs> you you have to be a little strategic, yeah. Uh, because our the cells of our immune system also use glutamine as a major fuel. And sure. This was shown by the newscombs in, in in UK, mm-hmm. and uh, they you know they were uh, uh, spent years and years studying what macrophages and immune cells a uh, fuel they would use. Mm. So so you know basically if you kill a lot of cancer cells. You know, your immune system has somebody has to come in and pick up the corpses, right? Otherwise, you get rot and infection and all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So that's our immune system. Sure. So if you if you go after glutamine too hard, then you paralyze our ability of the immune system to pick up the corpses. Right. So what we do is the press pulse, and that's one of our big papers that came out last year with some of my physician friends mm. and scientists, and that's where we press with the with the diet. Uh, and I don't like, it's called ketogenic metabolic therapy is what we call it.
1: Right. Absolutely. And,
3: and uh, what it does is um, the ketones are only to protect normal cells. They, they're they not going to be killing tumor cells in a large amount. Right. All right. So the ketones are only to allow our normal cells to transition over to a non-glucose fuel.
0: Yeah. Mm. And have adequate energy. Yeah. They're, they're fine
3: under ketones. Mm. Tumor yeah. cells can't use the ketone for energy because their respiration is defective, just like Otto Warburg said. Right. <laughs> right? Yeah. Not a mystery. And everybody said, oh, but the cancer cells are taking in oxygen. Well, not when they're living in a hypoxic environment in vivo. I mean, they're not hey. taking in any oxygen. Right. Yeah.
2: yeah. So,
3: um, but they seem to ignore that fact. And no one, save us, mm. uh, were the first ones to identify and suggest that it's the it's the glutamine being fermented, not respired. Mm. yeah. It's being fermented and we have a paper that just came out it's in bba that uh, shows that uh, this how this happens in the mitochondria right it's a mitochondrial phenomenon mm-hmm. and the mitochondria and this is another thing you look at a cancer mitochondria and you say oh he's taking up oxygen mm-hmm. and he's throwing out a lot of atp therefore <laughs> warburg is wrong right right <laughs> oh no yeah. so what's
0: happening yeah, well,
3: they they're fermenting it they're not
0: using oxidative ah.
3: phosphorylation
0: so even though the mitochondria is damaged they're able to ferment glutamine in the mitochondria.
3: And generate massive amount of ATP. Right. Without well, Everything is bioenergy. Without ATP, nothing lives. Right. Yep. It's yep. so simple. You don't mm. make ATP, you die. <laughs> Death, yeah. yep. All right? Where are you getting the energy to make ATP? Mm. Right? Oh, I, I, I can't breathe. I resp- I have to ferment. What yep. do you ferment? Glucose, Glucose and, and 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 <laughs> the fuels have to be so abundant in the microenvironment. So you have to have a pile of this stuff. Yeah. because they'll run through it it's an inefficient system so you better have a lot of stockpile of the sure. fermentable fuel now yeah. of course they can ferment other things the problem is there's not enough they go through that in a in a, in, in 15 minutes that mm. other stuff is gone
2: mm-hmm. so
3: you have to have a pile of fermentable fuel in the microenvironment to fuel the beast
1: yeah now it, it's not enough to lower protein intake to to lower glutamine um it's
3: indirect you know the best thing yeah. we found are drugs um, but you got to pulse them. Bing. You can't press the drug. Yeah, yeah. You got to give them a short burst while while closing the front door on the glucose. Hmm. You got to hold the glucose door shut and you got to pulse the, the glutamine door. Bing. Hmm. You degrade the tumor gradually because if you go after it, too, you get tumor lysis syndrome and you could die from a – So so we don't. And, and this is what's killing some of the people on the immunotherapies. Okay. Some of those immunos. If everybody has the same epitope on the, on their tumor cells, they kill them all, and the patient dies from uh uh, uh you know one of these uh, tumor lysis conditions. Mm. So um, if you don't die from other things that the immunotherapy does to you, you know. So you know we're developing a therapy that's basically non toxic. Uh, cost-effective, and that's mm-hmm. the single biggest drawback about our therapy. It's cost-effective. Yeah, yeah. That's, a, that's a shame. Yeah, that that's a a, that, that's <laughs> a, yeah so that's going to go over like a lead balloon, right? Yeah, that <laughs> make money out of it. Then we have to speak of morality.
2: Mm.
3: Is, is it moral to be charging uh, uh, sick people a lot of money? you know mm. nobody's talking about the morality issue in this cancer thing true right right this is a more it's immoral to charge people massive amounts of money and uh provide no nothing very little yeah. and and, and yeah. put them at risk for all kinds of diseases
0: it's it's like millions of dollars in the last 6 months of your life you know it's incredible yes. how much this ramps up this yes okay mm.
3: it's 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 a it's a moral question uh, mm. as far as i mean if you have something And you'd be surprised how angry people become when you tell them you have a cost-effective therapy for cancer. That that doesn't hurt you. How dare you? (laughs) It's almost like you blaspheme against against the religion.
0: So is this a therapy that would be done in isolation or in conjunction with like chemotherapy and radiotherapy and and, uh, other therapies?
3: I guess we have to say that. Uh ah. so so it's not to piss off the entire worldwide cancer industry. Right. <laughs> oh oh yeah, you can do it with radiation. Um you know, but minimal
0: I, oh, effective dose.
3: <laughs> yeah, but why would you Hey, here's yeah. the bigger issue. Why yeah. would you want to use radiation and chemo? What's the purpose of radiation and chemo? Right. To, yeah. to kill the it's cancer, kill cell, right? Kill everything. Yes. Well, so if I can kill it by just depriving it of its fuel, why why would we want to do anything else?
0: Right. Yeah. Right. Now that's,
3: da- that's dangerous.
0: But it's also selective as well. I mean, radiotherapy yeah, yeah. and chemotherapy are not particularly yeah, yeah. selective. I mean, this is yeah. a very selective thing to the tumor, right?
3: Yeah, very selective. And you and it's it's so selective that it don't harm the rest of the body. Incredible. So uh, uh, yeah, and it's very simple. When people come to realize how mindless this cancer is, hmm. how incredibly misinformed we were as a species. Right. Uh, it's going to be a shock. It's going to be but you can't the you the, the 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 human brain Can't, I don't, you know, who understands this more is the lay people on the street. They seem to understand what's going on. The scientists are out to lunch. Uh, They they just simply can't. And I think it's their meal ticket, you know, basically, you're touching their meal ticket. Yeah well, so it's, it's
0: also that everyone's folk I mean we we know of reproduction as being essentially a genetic issue so we, so we think of growth and 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 propagation as being a, a genet, cause genetically and so it's 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 kind of makes sense in a funny kind of way the same way that you know the calories in calories out model was uh, was seen as the obvious answer to the obesity crisis you know
3: yeah yeah but
0: it, it requires a little bit of understanding I think
3: yeah well you know look at so that cell unbridled proliferation right that's basically yeah. what the the nature yeah. of cancer is unbridled so the cell has to have energy to flip through the to, to go through the cell cycle sure you, you need to you need to synthesize uh proteins and lipids and all these kinds of things mm. but the carbons from glucose and glutamine are the fuel that does all this
1: right do you know of any effect that uh, chronic high insulin has on cancer because insulin is sort of a growth factor and- yeah
3: yeah insulin the quite we're, we're, we're exploring this now you know it's very hard um it's hard to get funding for this can you believe it um uh-huh. we, <laughs> we, <Really? laughs> no you can't believe it no. uh, they always say the first thing they say what gene is involved uh, well, no gene know. is involved you know yeah, yeah. they want to know what gene what what mutation do you think is responsible for this mm-hmm. and i said uh, all of them or none of them yeah. you know it's it's not it's it's largely an irrelevant question if it's not a genetic disease why are you getting all excited about this mm-hmm. uh, again what do they eat and why do they eat what they have to if they can't respire they must ferment Mm. What do they ferment? They ferment glucose and glutamine. Can they mm. ferment other things? Yes, they can. Are they there in sufficient quantity? In their microenvironment to feed to f- fuel them? No. What could give us more fermentable fuel? Radiation and chemo. Why don't we give them <laughs> radiation and chemo? Huh. You know, this huh. is how insane it is. Right. So, so you ask me. You know, we have to treat the patients. The ones that we've published with radiation and chemo because the poor physician will lose his license if he doesn't poison and irradiate the person. Right. So, And I, I asked him flat out, what would happen if we didn't do this? He said the patients would be even healthier.
2: So I mean, so,
0: so do they really have to give these patients the least possible dose that doesn't uh, lose them yes. their medical license?
3: Yes. In Incredible. Fact, <laughs> you, you, yeah. As a matter of fact, we're doing that in, in uh, Turkey now. We oh. give them the lowest possible dose. Mm-hmm. Uh, only to stay within compliance uh, but i asked them i said what happens if we don't give them any chemo they'll do they'll do better <laughs> <laughs> it only makes sense i could take a healthy person walking down the street a young man 21 years old fit as a fiddle and start giving him uh, chemo and radiation, and mm. uh, you know the poor guy will be in the hospital, sick as a dog. All his hair will be falling out, mm. and 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 then you take a cancer patient, you do that to them. I hey, what is going on yeah. here? This is yeah, nuts. It's ridiculous. But but, <laughs> but the problem is is that the uh, it's tragic. It's a tragedy. It's it's yeah. it's not funny. It's a tragedy. Nah. It's right. a, it's a tragedy because the physicians themselves are not educated to mm. know any of this. Right. Okay, and they're not trained in medical school. They still memorize signaling cascades of of, of mTOR and all these mutations, BRAF and and, and Braca and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And uh, you know, most of it's irrelevant. They go to oncology school to learn not to uh, to give dosage of chemo that uh, that's going to bring the patient to a a near death experience and then back off. And you know, oh. they're they're not they're not trained to use metabolic therapy.
0: Yeah, we have the same problem with di- diabetes. Diabetes um, uh, experts. I mean, the, the, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the same problem and it, funnily enough, it's almost the same solution. It's it's almost yeah, embarrassing yeah. how yeah. many things a ketogenic diet has actually uh, turned yeah. out to
1: be appropriate for. Can I ask you, let's bring this down to the man on the street. Uh, There's so many people, you've got cancer, what do you do next? And for most people, this is such a new idea, you know. uh, It's a simple idea, but it's a new idea. What do you tell these people? You know, I just got diagnosed with cancer. Do I just go on a ketogenic diet? Do I fast? What do I do?
3: another tragedy is they don't have a a professional – a knowledgeable person to help them. Yeah. So mm-hmm. the the first thing they do is they go to the top uh, oncology Dana Farber, MD Anderson, anywhere right. you know all over the world. You all have your mm-hmm. your, sure. your key cancer cancer places, and um, they'll give you what the field says to give you, and then um, they'll tell you that the ketogenic diet metabolic therapy hasn't been um, validated or proven. Um, a mainly because they don't look at they don't read the literature and they have no right. they're clueless as to the massive scientific evidence that supports what we're saying mm. um, because they never heard it in medical schools. I been mean, heard it in medical school it can't exist.
0: Didn't mm. exist yeah.
3: yeah. yeah, it doesn't exist. So the poor guy who gets diagnosed with cancer um, is then going to a professional who's clueless or uh, understands nothing or very little about this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Mm. And then they say, well we're trained to give you chemo and radiation or immunotherapy or some some such thing. Mm-hmm. And therefore, you go and you experience this. And many times your tumor will regress. Of course, you might have uh, significant adverse effects from um, the treatment. Sure. But you know, uh, you many people survive. Let's be honest. There's mm-hmm. many survivors. Many of these people are being treated for less than a great. Some of these cancers are a very early stage.
2: Mm.
3: So you know, you're you're taking a baseball bat to a fly. You know, <laughs> so you know, and uh, but then you put yourself at risk. You know, it's not it's not healthy to be dosed with toxic poisons no.
2: and irradiated, mm.
3: and even with immunotherapies, you can get type one and type uh, type one diabetes, you can have massive organ failures and all that. Mm. Why would you even consider treating anybody with the remote possibility of making that person sick or even die? And they say there's nothing else out there. What do you mean there's nothing else out there? It's ketogenic metabolic therapy.
0: So tell us about the the literature. Tell us about what studies, what clinical uh, evidence there is that that these kinds of things uh, can show benefit.
3: Yeah. Well, I think the group in in Hungary- um, Kasbatoth and mm. Sophia Clemens—they're showing with their paleo. We the just paleo published a—we yeah. just we just published a, a paper. It just came out this week um, on glioblastoma at, mm-hmm. out of uh, out of um, uh, Alexandria, Egypt. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy is doing well. Um, the paper got ten thousand hits in two days. <laughs> wow. So, so um, uh, wow. you know why the guy's a corn farmer? He's back working in the fields. He's mm. 20, 25 months out of a GBM. And uh, we we did upfront metabolic. Yeah, we had to use radiation and chemo, mm-hmm. but we pushed it back. We mm. did it, it was the last thing. And he's been still on the metabolic therapy. He's doing fine. You know uh, why mm. should he be? You know. And then we have a lot of guy like Pablo Kelly. Oh, Pablo's not published. You know they say Pablo. He's not. It's not in a but he's all over the web.
1: Yeah. yeah, he was
3: diagnosed with a glioblastoma. He chose no mm-hmm. radiation, no chemo, mm-hmm. and I just I just talked to him. He's still doing
1: fine. Andrew Scarborough, also Andrew you know?
3: Scarborough. But you see, the, those people do not exist.
2: Right?
1: right.
3: They, they, they are they are anecdotal. So uh-huh. I said, how many how many anecdotal reports do we need? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, uh, do you want to live mm-hmm. if you go? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people aren't funny, that stupid. Really, but- right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
2: right.
3: This is not type 2 diabetes where no. you're not going to drop dead tomorrow. Yeah. You know, you're not going to, you don't have, if you have type 2, oh, I'm sorry, you have six months to live. It's not, no. I mean, give me a break, you know.
0: No, that kind of thing, yeah. yeah.
3: But with glioblastoma, you know, if you can make a year or a year and a half, you're doing really well. So yeah.
1: there are people that we know that have walked away from stage 4. Oh
3: yeah. Oh yeah. Cancer. My colleagues in Turkey only treat stage 4. Mm. They uh, and that's uh, we that woman with the uh, triple negative breast cancer. Mm. She's doing fine. I just talked to my colleagues. Mm. So we have uh, stage four pancreatic cancer, metastasis to all the bones, the femurs, the ulna, the rays in the face, oh every gosh. organ system. The guy looked like a, a skeleton with a PET scan all over him. Mm. You yeah. can see his whole. So um, he's doing fine. He's out two years, right? Mm. Uh, wow. Uh, you know we have lung cancer, ovarian cancer, triple negative breast cancer. Uh, we have glioblastoma. I mean, what do you want? I mean, what, is there a tumor out there that can resist this? Now, right. I'm not saying we th- these people are cured because mm. sometimes they come to these clinics and I talk to my friends. They're the ones running the clinics. Mm. They Sometimes they're so beat up by the radiation and the chemo and the immunotherapy, whatever the hell they're giving them. Yeah. Um, their body just can't rally. But if you take a person who's just been freshly diagnosed, their bodies mm-hmm. are generally pretty healthy at first. Yeah. You know, they don't look like death warmed over, like mm. you see them after they finished, you know, with the radiation and chemo. So you you want, uh, and they give you high dose steroids that are the worst thing you can. Ugh, you should never yeah. do that to these people. Yeah.
1: Now, what are the drugs? I mean, we can obviously reduce our glucose by not eating it, but what are the drugs that you're well, talking about uh, for glutamine? Uh, for, for glutamine,
3: we're, well, right now we have the experimental drug don six azo uh, norleucine. It's a, a drug that was used years ago. Uh, for cancer patients we've we, we have a big study that we're doing now it works amazingly well for brain cancer mm. in the preclinical system it hasn't been used for brain cancer in humans yet mm. uh, but it works on metastatic cancer especially when used with the uh, ketogenic metabolic therapy so wow. this is the uh,
0: ketogenic diet is the press and the pulse yes, is this uh yes this yes yeah. yes, yeah. yes.
3: Mm-hmm. and we, and that's I have what what a beautiful mean. paper that's out with my colleagues on the press pulse the whole concept the framework for how you and getting back to the, the problem is people can't do this on their own. Right, yeah. and they and they go to the medical schools and they expect to have someone. They and the guy so well, none of that works. It hasn't been done by a clinical trial. Mm-hmm. So then we, we'll give you, you know, what we think works.
1: But so they'll you, take they'll give you an experimental drug option that hasn't only been done on mice, and most people are so desperate they'll yeah, do that. You
3: want a you want a drug. If you tell them, I want a drug that's not going to hurt me at all. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get hurt by this. I want it to be powerfully therapeutic. And I want to be able to be alive in about a year and a half or two with my hair. Yeah. Okay. Be told they it doesn't well, exist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, oh, yeah, it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, called ketogenic metabolic therapy and it exists. There you go.
0: <laughs> so what we're going to do for, for people who are listening, if they are if they are in this situation and, and um, you know, it's a horrible situation to be in, you're just newly diagnosed, we're going to put on our show notes, as many of the uh, papers as do, uh, Professor Seyfried uh, spoke about, and we're going to suggest that you print them out and take them to your oncologist and ask him or her if they have read that literature and 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 get them get them across that literature because that will get, may give you an opportunity to to be referred to somebody who can help. That's the only yeah, thing I, I can I, suggest. I, I
3: think that's what I do. I, I generally give them our papers and say if you can find an oncologist yeah. mm. who is willing and not uh, who is willing to do this, mm. uh, follow our procedures that we've done which are actually the procedures that were developed by myself, the group in Turkey and the group in in Egypt Mm. and Mm. the group in Hungary and more and more groups. Mm. Um, And I just came back from China where they're going to dovetail – uh, ketogenic metabolic therapy in with their traditional Chinese medicine
2: mm, right so
3: it's spreading around the world I mean people uh so but but that's the tragedy in fact I just had an email today from some uh, woman in Australia with a low dose low-grade tumor mm. um who who whose physician said there's no evidence to support that ketogenic metabolic therapy works
1: and yet it's safe and yeah but there's papers that show so, that it works yeah
3: uh, they just they just haven't read them
1: why would you do why would a doctor dissuade anybody from trying anything that's safe
3: yeah uh, well they say it's really weird because they think the 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 uh, radiation and chemo which is palliative it's yeah. not right. curative mm,
2: right
3: <laughs> why would you go and i have published a paper showing that radiation chemo and the standard of care for glioblastoma Is largely responsible for the demise of the majority of the people that are treated. It's not. It's the. It's the therapy that's causing the recurrence of this tumor. Yeah, and they ignore it
1: completely. Uh, Okay, I I, got to get back to this uh, uh, glutamine suppressor drug because obviously people are going to want to know about that. Yeah, yeah. is that is that available? No, it's hard to get.
3: It's hard to get. And is there anything else? Yeah, the other thing we used in the paper we just published, uh, we used chloroquine and we used egcg the green tea extract yeah. and so both yeah. of those have a tendency to hit the glutamine a little bit
0: chloroquine's the, the
3: malaria drug right yeah it is it stops autophagy so you oh, can't okay. get the, you can't get the glutamine oh. out of the lysosome Right. So yeah. it, it it's not it's it's an indirect tweak of the glutamine itch, issue. Hmm.
1: So what about what about fasting? I mean, you said autophagy is a is a kind of a yeah. Well, therapy. It,
3: um, see what happens sometimes. As I said, the most invasive cell of all cancer is is the macrophage that's now hmm. become corrupted metabolically. Right. And they th- and those cells have uh, they're the most. Um, um, uh, versatile cell, one of, one of the most versatile cells in our body. Mm. I mean, those cells are wound healers. You know, you get a bacterial infection, their job is to kill the bacteria. Yeah. So uh, uh they they can plow into a into a uh, into a contused area where there's no blood vessels mm-hmm. and they can kill bacteria, they can uh, help heal the wound. They can do a lot of different things. Mm. Um, and that's the metastatic cell. So when hmm. you take away its fuels, it starts eating the microenvironment and getting the fuel from the microenvironment by right. phagocytosis. Yeah. or they want to call it once the cell engulfs, then it goes to the lysosome and then they call that autophagy, yeah. but basi- basically you're degrading material inside the lysosome, and then you can send glucose and glutamine out of the lysosome back into the cell from internal sources, sure. right? Yeah. So what we do is we put chloroquine in there, neutralizes the acidity in the lysosome, and they can't digest what they just ate. Right. So they choke. They choke <laughs> to death on their, fo- on their last <laughs> meal. Right, so this good. is wonderful. It's so it's so beautiful to kill cancer because they're dumb ass cells. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, and if you have a few functional brain cells, you will know easy how to kill these things. Yeah, yeah. The problem is you got to put all these people through all this terrible stuff because the people treating the patients don't know what they're doing.
0: Yeah, and, and so uh, I hate to say look-
3: that it sounds horrible, but it's you know why would you why would you do that?
0: But they also can't really admit to themselves that, that the treatment that they've learned and that they're applying is doing. Danger to people. I mean, there's a there's a cognitive dissonance involved with. Uh, what do you mean? Just this. take a
3: normal guy and do that to them and see what the guy looks like. What are a you good, t- good good point. point. You don't have to take
0: many. You know, just I yeah. just you know, my heart. Yeah. Does my
3: therapy hurt yeah. anybody? I don't grab that guy yeah. over there. Let's nuke and poison let's, him and see how he feels. Con-
2: let's, <laughs> have <laughs> a con- let's
3: have a control.
2: <laughs> oh,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, control <laughs> I, experiment. I how I many ser- volunteers? I seriously <laughs> hope <laughs> the cancer. The cancer patients listening you know, get the crazy. spirit it's of it's what we're talking about. It's insane what
3: we're doing to these people. Yeah. So um, – and that's because there's a fundamental lack of knowledge – on what the biology of the problem is, yeah. okay, and 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 uh, we've been led down uh, a path of thinking this is a genetic disease, uh, making hundreds of millions and billions of dollars all over the world, and the bottom line is the incidence of cancer and the death rate keeps going up. Over, don't you think people would stop if you're doing the same thing? People are dying. To, I mean, what we're doing doesn't work, right? Right? Yeah. It doesn't work, and yeah. you're putting people at risk for all kinds of other maladies. By the fact that they were able to survive what you did to them. The human body is a tough – the yeah. human body is so tough, man. You do all right. that stuff and you're still alive after you're doing that to the, exactly. to the patient. Um,
1: so on the first show we ever did about cancer, this was an interview with Mark Miller who read your papers yeah. and Dom D'Agostino's papers uh, and used – a sh- which showed that there's a combination of the ketogenic diet and – uh hyperbaric yes. oxygen therapy and yes. ketones, exogenous yes. ketones, yes. the three together were the most effective at shrinking tumors. And yes. so can you talk about those other two well, therapies? Well, in the
3: patient that we just completed in Egypt, we did, him, we did hyperbaric oxygen as well. We gave him a cocktail therapy. We fasted him first uh, with no food, just water only for three days, mm-hmm. and then transitioned him to a 960-calorie ketogenic diet for three weeks. Mm-hmm. So um, then, did the standard of care? Now we know from our mouse studies, and we've published all of these things, that what I just said to you is powerfully anti-angiogenic, powerfully yeah. anti-inflammatory, and pro-apoptotic. Mm-hmm. So we're killing tumor cells while fixing up the microenvironment and building the general health of the overall of the overall organism. So. Now, um now what we're doing with hyperbaric oxygen we think we can replace radiation for the majority of cancers with hyperbaric oxygen mm-hmm. um, because it creates oxidative stress mm. and blows the tumor up yeah. now uh, blows the tumor cells up and the, and the radiation does the same thing you know it hits small amounts of oxygen or or uh, oxygen molecules but it blasts everything else too I mean it, it harms normal cells right. so the hy- hyperbaric oxygen so you have to say to yourself, this is a tumor cell that's making a lot of reactive oxygen species, mm. but it has a very powerful antioxidant capacity. So even though it makes a lot of radicals that are breaking the, causing the mutations and the destabilization, it's not dying from from its radicalization. And and the issue is is because the glucose and the glutamine. Uh, together, make glutathione, which is a powerful right. antioxidant, antioxidant, yeah, and also uh, manganese superoxide dismutase in the mitochondria is another powerful antioxidant system, mm. which uses glutamine as a, a as a as a facilitator of that enzyme. Right. So these two fuels, glucose and glutamine, are not only providing the carbons for growth uh, and survival, but are mm. also it's like it's like the the shield around the Death Star. Yes. You have this, <laughs> you you have this uh, powerful antioxidant shield. Yeah. So by pulling away glucose first and then glutamine, the shield comes down. Yeah. And then you put them <laughs> into the hyperbaric oxygen chamber and kill
1: them. Yeah. <laughs> And the key, as you said before, and the, the ketones, ketones are protecting all protecting the normal the cells, normal from, cells. The, from the same treatment, right? Yeah. And if you're in a ketogenic diet, you're creating you. ketones anyway. Yeah. though.
3: And there's nothing more exciting than killing tumor cells without harming the rest of the body. Mm. Yeah, and it's not it's not that complicated once you understand the biology of what's mm. going on, yeah. and then you know, then you know that all that these gene mutations that everybody is studying. Is and here's another kicker. You're going to go love this one. So all of that stuff comes downstream, right? It's, it's both largely irrelevant. So, so what they do is they take cancer patients now, and they do punch biopsies on the breast or the mm-hmm. prostate or some damn thing, yeah. and then they look at the gene mutations, right, to, mm-hmm. to, to diagnose, to make a, a decision about you know what your what predictability. Kind of yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. What kind of mutations? Irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what you what you're doing? Is, is the punch biopsy itself is creating oncotaxis. You're creating a microenvironment that if you do have a metastatic a cell that's on the verge, it's going to spring out into the rest of your body. So right. they take the core and they go, oh, you're really good. Yeah. You know, you have very low uh, mutation. And all of a sudden, six months, a year later, you got metastatic cancer all over your body. What the hell happened? Uh,
2: the punch. <laughs> <laughs>
3: you got to give the pathologist a job. Otherwise, he won't have anything to do, right? He won't be able to, uh. you know, uh, uh, it's when you know what I know, Right. And you see what we're doing to these cancer patients. Yeah. It's a tragedy.
0: You over and see over, it, it's huh? a tragedy. Isn't there a lot of cases that the, the the genes in one tumor cell are different from the genes in the tumor cell next to it? They're totally yes. different. Yeah so, totally. So, so it's not it's not a genetic cause a common genetic cause that's causing no. this downstream effect. That is the genetic damage is the downstream effect yes. of reactive yes. reactive oxygen species just right. going blindly right. through and and, just you, and, slicing and, and, and we genes.
3: and we know that we I mean we know that because the paper I published on on the on the nuclear transfer experiments, mm-hmm. where you take the nucleus full of mutations and put it into a new cytoplasm, yeah. it forms normal cells, even though the You're mutations kidding. are there, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I have a big paper on that. You should read it. Yeah. So, so um, and not only that, listen to this. You, you, you have, um, we've found some tumors have been reported in the literature. We have mm-hmm. no mutations. Even with deep sequencing, they can't find <laughs> wow. anything, right? Mm. Yeah, and it's mm. a raging tumor, right? Yeah. And, then, and then you have uh, normal skin cells are loaded with these driver mutations, but the skin doesn't have any tumors, right? So when you start looking at the absurdity of the gene theory, there's Mm. more and more material to say, how could we be so stupid as a species to think these genes are causing anything, right? So um, And yet, this isn't it, man. You go down to any of these top schools. They got the uh, – down here at Dana-Farber, they got the, – or the, uh, uh, Broad Institute, they brought the supercomputer, uh, Big Blue or Watson, yep. to, to ream through millions and millions of gene screen mutations. Hmm. But no no one's told uh, the computer that it's not a genetic disease. That dumbass <laughs> thing doesn't know what uh, thing from a hole in the it's ground. It's got a lot to chew on. You, I,
0: I guarantee you, if it does actually come back and say this is not a genetic disease, they we <laughs> program the thing. <laughs>
3: yeah, if that – I'd really be impressed if the computer could do that. I don't have a function anymore. I can no, go no. down to the Caribbean and relax. You know. <laughs> oh my my.
1: So Richard, it sounds like you're going to get an A on your next biochem test. No, uh, no I'm going to get. An no, an a you're going to
0: fail. You got to be careful. you to, 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 to <laughs> fail your test. I'm <laughs> going to listen to Professor Seyford. You know, the funny thing is this: this pres- this this podcast will actually come out probably while I'm in my exam. So oh, yeah, right. I, I know that a lot of people in my class are all uh, are all tuning into the podcast. So let me just say to my peeps in uh, in Bio 1003, don't listen to anything we're talking about until after the exam, <laughs> yeah. after your genetics exam.
3: <laughs> it, yeah. You got to love the oncogenes, right? They're the, yeah. transcri- they, you gotta, they're the
0: transcription
3: factors for r- regulating fermentation metabolism. Right. So when the mitochondria are injured, they signal to the nucleus and says, we're suffocating. Can you help us? Right? So the oncogenes turn on and they bring glucose and glutamine into the cell. Yeah so so they're really facilitators they're not the, they're they're facilitating an effect they're not the cause
0: this has got to be a fundamental part of our genetic heritage our germline germ is i mean prior to, to the invention of uh, oxidative phosphorylation this is how yeah. we you know for me this kind of fermentation is is how our germline Prospered, so you know it, it's it's got to be very very fundamental.
3: Yeah, well, I I think the mitochondria and the cells are really underestimated about how important and powerful they are. You mm. know, it's an interesting thing. These two organisms merged, you know, um, a billion years, several billion years ago, mm. and this this one organism that could uh, capture the energy from from um, from oxygen and the sun was able to work and reduce fermentation. So we became metazoans, multicellular organisms, as the result of this synergistic interaction between these two organisms. Mm. Now it's very interesting that the mitochondria has relinquished all of its genetic control to the nucleus mm. except 13 genes.
2: Yeah. Just and those, and you,
3: yep. d- d- those 13 are the key. You <laughs> you damage one of those and the, the organism's dead instantly. So, you know, right. it's like anything. If you get some dumbass that's going to do the job for you, why well, well, I mean it's just human <laughs> nat- I mean it's nature to do that. Any Delegation. animal do that. Delegation. Right? <laughs> yeah, the, the the nucleus is the dumbass slave of the mitochondria. It's doing everything. <laughs> the Why should I do it? When, but I control the kill switch. Yeah. You don't do what I say. Now, what happens? Of course, if the mitoc- if the kill switch doesn't work, mm. the nucleus goes berserk, and you mm. start, you know, fermenting and going mm. back and doing all this stuff. Hmm. So you put everything into an evolutionary perspective. And um, I have a whole chapter in my book, chapter 15, Nothing in Cancer Biology Makes Sense Except in the Light of Evolution. People mm-hmm. Now, people have to know this. If they don't know this, then they're, 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 they lack knowledge. Right. And you can't understand the nature of the problem unless you put together all these parts. Right. And once you do that, it becomes a very manageable disease you know, we just have to have a trained cadre, a trained staff. And right now, we have no training.
1: <laughs> Professor, do you have a, um, a a fund or something that somebody with a bazillion dollars to burn can help fund your research?
3: Yeah, well, I, right now, our, our funding is coming from private foundations. Um, I have funding mostly from Travis Christopherson's uh, Single Core, Single Cure Foundation. Mm-hmm. I tell people, because we have an ongoing research grant from that foundation.
0: He's the author, right?
3: Yeah, he's the author of Tripping Over the Truth, mm. right? And he he basically read my book, and he felt that um, if I were right about some of the things that I was saying, more and more people should know about this. Mm. So he published Tripping Over the Truth, the emer- reemergence of this metabolic theory. Mm. And he went around and interviewed some of the top geneticists regarding this. Mm. And they were basically clueless about this whole you know, they heard about it. They, But they're so locked into, you know, driver genes and this kind of gene and that, you know, mTOR gene, this kind of – everything is like, give me a break. So mm. – um, uh, but but you can't – and it's a dogmatic situation. Yeah. So, you know, the National Institutes of Health, which should be funding this kind of work – um, they do fund metabolism as long as the genes are controlling the metabolism, not the reverse.
1: So I'm a private individual with a million dollars that I want to solve cancer with. Where do I put my money I so that ha- it ends up to you, to yeah, your uh, science?
3: I, I, well, I, uh, there's two ways to do that. You either support Travis Christofferson, which some people like to do. Yeah. And then I get uh, grant support through Travis. Or there are some people who say, I want – to set up my own grant with Boston College. Because okay. I can't, as a person, accept any money from anyone.
1: Yeah, my, well, my university. We want, we want to fund your research. Yeah, the though, research
3: so. is funded. Through the university's grants okay. and contracts. Okay. So people would say, "Okay, I want to be recognized to have a grant through," and then they, you know, they work out the details that way. Great. And uh, I know the CrossFit organization has now become quite interested in what we're doing. Good. Um, but you know, you need, you know, we could solve this whole cancer problem in about five years or less. Yeah. Um, well, we're, we already know what we need to do. Uh, we just need to uh, fine tune it. Now, this is not what we call sexy science. Mm. This is this is in-the-trenches kind of science. Actual we science, know, yeah. <laughs> yeah we know what we need to do. We just haven't perfected the synergies between the different press and pulse uh, procedures. Yeah. Mm. You know, it's called dosage, timing, and scheduling. Right. Now I've been working on this and I've been telling my colleagues at the clinics where we can use press pulse and they're the ones coming back and sometimes telling me, Can you validate this for me and I'll validate it in the preclinical system? Because you know, let's try everything on the pre because we've developed the singular best models of systemic metastatic cancer and glioblastoma over twenty years in my lab. Hmm. So we have the very tools that will allow us to test and validate certain procedures. And then I go right to the clinic and either either Turkey or Egypt or or Hungary or some of these countries that will will test our stuff not mm. in this gun unfortunately we can't do it in the United States
0: it doesn't happen in the US at all no no, no, because it, it, it,
3: well, no, because it, it violates the standard of care you you can't you could lose your license doing this stuff
1: right well, even though you're not people, hurting anybody a lot of people will lose their jobs yeah people will lose their jobs
3: basically right mm. uh, but that could there's always well, we, there's a term that we call retraining you know we have a term <laughs> that we call retraining you know yeah. it exists in this country right the coal miners yeah. you know the, the steel workers they sure. need to be retrained so, um, and they're, you know, if they can get another job comparable, you know, uh, so we we need to, I'm telling you, we can develop clinics uh, uh, that will, that will once we understand doses, timing and scheduling yeah. for the different, we degrade the tumor slowly. We never harm the patient. The patient mm-hmm. should emerge from the therapy looking much healthier and fit than they were when they started.
1: And yeah. they get to eat
3: bacon. Yeah, they could eat bacon, but I wouldn't <laughs> go too far on the bacon. Um, okay, yeah, yeah. And the food industry is now developing... Uh, therapies uh where food is becoming the medicine uh, yeah. that works together with these specific drugs yeah and the food is a really interesting because it's it's not just the ratio of fats to proteins to carbs it's it's not only the ratio it's the composition of the proteins fats and carbs yeah and they can work very powerfully together with these other drugs mm. and this is a, a an emerging field believe me mm. we, we don't know how which of these various food items will work best with that drug under that condition yeah so clearly is a lot of excitement that that's coming down the pike and um we want to make this therapy Uh, uh, pretty much fit the standard, the the, the six or eight months that you would normally be treated for cancer. You know, because you don't go in and get one pill and then you go home. You know, you're being treated by radiation followed by chemo, followed by whatever. Yeah, mm. So you want to make sure that you're going to be within the same. And I think that can happen because we're not into blowing the whole hell out of this tumor immediately. Mm. We're yeah. degrading it and enhancing the health of the body while degrading the tumor. And we're doing it very strategically, taking consideration the immune system, the, the different fibros, all of the normal cell systems of our body coming together, mm. fighting the tumor. And we're taking the normal cells in our body and making them competitive for the very fuels that the tumor cells need. Yeah. Right. So the whole body is now working against the tumor. Mm. It's a beautiful system that, it,
0: <laughs> That's that great. I feel will sorry. work. I kind of feel sorry for the tumors when you're on the job.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Tumor ninja.
3: Yeah. So, I mean, it's going to happen. As I said, the press pulse therapy in time – will make most other cancer therapies obsolete. It's just a matter. Once the word gets out, people know what's going on. You know, more and more people come on the web. Hey, I should have been dead. I, you know, I'm doing fine. Look at me. I don't, I never lost a, a hair, you
1: yeah. know, uh,
3: you yeah. know, and if, if it even worked better, if the, a bald guy can regrow his hair
1: after
0: that.
2: <laughs>
1: <about a therapy. laughs> yeah,
0: good luck with that one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Professor, it's been such a delight talking to you and thank you for changing the world. It's yeah. uh, really an honor. Oh, thank you.
3: Thank you. I hope it helps. You know, we do what we can do. And thank you for asking about the funding sources. We need the money bad. Yeah. And you know, we can move this thing forward so much faster.
1: It's very but, important.
3: You know, so if anybody's interested, I get a lot of calls from Australia. Um, you know, they have the same response as everyone else. Never heard yeah. of it. I can't, yeah. can't work. Yeah. You know, this kind of stuff. Yeah. But, you know, in time, your podcasts and things will get the word out. More and more people.
1: That's what we're mm-hmm. hoping.
3: Okay. Thank you very
0: much. And this was the absolute pleasure. I enjoyed every minute of this conversation. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, too. Thank okay, you
3: very good much. Luck. Take it
1: easy. Yeah, yeah, bye, bye now. You say you'll do wow. He, he was in a mood, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: he gets kind of feisty, but you know you can understand why. He's been bashing his head against this for yeah. 10, 15 years. So, uh, yeah, we're just getting the, the latest incarnation.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it was such an honor and a privilege to meet him, and he's Absolutely. the nicest man. And uh yeah, we I hope we can get to talk to him more on a regular basis and, and mm-hmm. I hope that, you know, we, we uh encouraged the right people to help him with his uh funding. So Yeah. Yeah. You know who you are. You know who you are. Anyway, let's eat. It's time for mm. some
2: <laughs>
0: It's kind of a shame that we're not in your studio and we can peg pay- <laughs> <laughs> You're the <Yeah>. compressor. <an> <laughs> We've got to moderate our uh, recipes in mail. Yeah, that's right. So
1: what have you got today, Carl? Well, today, Richard, I have keto fried rice. Oh, nice. Now, I, I had been holding off on this because I didn't think that miracle rice, which is what I'm using, was mm-hmm. actually going to work well for fried rice. But if you think about it, fried rice isn't really like rice i mean it's kind of soft and squishy Mm, pillowy yeah it's not like rice that sticks together you know what i mean Mm, yeah so i thought that well what the heck i'm gonna try this and of Mm. course my wife loves fried rice okay and i want to get her carbs down so if i can Mm -hmm. give her a fried rice that is just as good Mm. uh, she might like it so i'm hoping to make this for her soon without the onions of course because she can't eat those Mm-hmm. All right, so you take one eight-ounce package of miracle rice. Mm-hmm. This is a konjac or shirataki rice product. There's actually no rice in it. No, but it's <laughs> it's, it's sort from of a
0: root of a plant that that uh, and it stores its energy in a form of starch that we can't digest. So correct. Yeah. Um, so for us, it's really like fiber. Our gut bacteria can digest it, turn it to short-chain fatty acids, but we can't mm-hmm. turn it to glucose. Yeah.
1: Right. So, you take one eight-ounce package of Miracle Rice. You're going to need one or two strips of bacon, depending on how big they are. If you got a great big strip of thick bacon, you could use one or two. I really don't care how many you put in your fried rice. It's, <laughs> it's all good. Uh, you're going to need two tablespoons of butter, mm-hmm. uh, a quarter cup of chopped onions. Okay. You're going to need some bean sprouts, about half a cup. A teaspoon of chopped garlic or one clove chopped. Mm -hmm. You're going to need one teaspoon of toasted sesame oil and a tablespoon of soy sauce. Yeah. Yep. You need one egg Mm -hmm. and finally a tablespoon or so of chopped scallions or green onions. So you drain and rinse the miracle rice. Now, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about shirataki noodles before and how some of them have a stink. Yeah, they have to be uh, uh, shipped in liquid, or they'll fall apart. So yeah. um, you know, and and it
0: has to be alkalized, the liquid, and so it yeah. has a a slight fishy smell to it. But you just wash
1: it with water and uh, nuke it a bit. This product, Miracle Rice, doesn't smell mm. at all. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I have yet to open a package that smells nice. So just open it up, drain it, rinse it mm-hmm. well in a colander. And you yep. want to remove the excess water and you can do that mm-hmm. with a dish towel or a paper towel. Just get all the water out of it. Yeah. Now you're going to heat up the butter in a saucepan. Mm-hmm. Mm. All right, to melt that butter over medium heat. Yeah,
0: melted butter, yeah. Melted butter.
1: (laughs) I could stop right there. No, keep going. (laughs) I need some bacon with this melted butter. That's right. Now you're going to add the onions, garlic, bean sprouts, and miracle rice. Right. And saute all that around in the butter until the onions start to caramelize. You Mm. can take this to whatever level you want. If you like really caramelized onions – you know, you can you can continue sautéing. Just yeah. test the miracle rice, and when it tastes good to you, that's when you move on.
0: Yeah, that uh, fat will stop the miracle rice from clumping, so you'll get that true sort of fried rice
1: kind of uh, exactly. flavor, yeah. So, now you stir in the bacon. Mm, yeah, bacon. <laughs> yep. And crack the egg into the pan and, and mix that all in. You want to just mm-hmm. mix it up. You're like scrambling an egg in it. Mm-hmm. And now you want to stir in the soy sauce and sesame oil. Okay. Now, salt and black pepper to taste, but here's the thing. Taste it first, because it may already be salty enough from the soy sauce yeah. and the bacon. Mm-hmm. So, taste it first, but yeah, you might need to add a little more, and black pepper certainly doesn't hurt in any case. Mm. And so, now, once it's good and you like it, now just stir in the scallions really quickly so that they don't really have a chance to cook. Right. But they're integrated, and then serve immediately. Julie's actually got
0: a technique uh, that she uses when she makes fried rice uh, for the egg. And it's a, apparently, it's a traditional technique. It uses a wok. And what you do is you crack the egg into a bowl and you blend it. So you're basically mixing the whites and the yolks of the egg together. And then you add like half a tablespoon of fish sauce. And uh, that sort of, it goes a little bit darker in color. Stir that in and then you put it into a really hot wok and you move the wok around so that it, it Evenly coats the surface, and then you flip the. You basically made a, f- a fish sauce tasting omelet. You yeah. flip that out onto a board, and you slice it up into strips. And then, oh. so when you make your um, fried rice, you add that towards the end of it, and it it, it gives you that sort of uh, egg texture. Uh, yeah, in you the know fried that's rice. a
1: great idea because because it stays firm, right? Mm.
0: And it doesn't blend into the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting.
1: Yeah, that's it. Mm. Very cool.
0: All right, Richard, what do you got? I'm going to do chocolate again. My recipe is going to be espresso chocolates. And anybody who came to the Keto Mini Fest would have uh, tasted the chocolates that we tempered there. So we're we're talking about a similar kind of texture, not the overwhelming (laughs) lemon myrtle flavor that we did. So this chocolate, what we're going to do is we're going to start with 200 grams cacao butter. Now, this is the fat from chocolate. Right and we we managed to find some at uh, Fiddleheads in New London uh, you basically get it from an organic produce store and it could be called um, cocoa fat or cocoa butter or cacao butter they're all the same thing all right it's and so uh, what we're going to do is we're going to get 200 grams of cacao butter we're going to melt it and to that we're going to add a smidgen of uh, of sucralose or is other that a real measurement? Sweetener. <laughs> a smidgen is actually a real measurement. It's precisely one thirty second of a teaspoon.
1: <laughs> wow. So here in America, um, it's just a vague measurement. Just put a oh. smidgen of that in and a smidgen <laughs> of this. Yeah, or a dash of that. Yeah. Yeah, dash. Yeah. So, um,
0: all of these sort of vague measurements came from somewhere, and there was a precise yeah. measurements for this is this is before chemistry existed. We used to have alchemists, and they had all of these precise measurements for things. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, uh, to that we're going to add 100 grams of ground coffee beans. Ah, so we're not we're not actually adding cocoa powder to it. Or, I mean, if we would make dark chocolate, we'd use cocoa powder. If we made white chocolate, we'd use milk powder. Hmm. I'm actually adding ground coffee beans, and I'm going to melt the cacao butter and uh, I'm going to steep the ground coffee beans in that to to get the espresso flavor across. Wow, what a great idea. These are really coffee, coffee flavor and, and full of caffeine. <laughs> These things will keep you awake. <laughs> buzz, buzz, buzz. Uh, ask, ask me how I know. So, yeah, right. <laughs> so anyway – you let this steep for maybe half an hour or an hour and it's going to get a lot of the coffee flavour and the actual colour of the liquid will go brown because it's the coffee. What we want to do is we want to filter the solid grounds out. So I use a kitchen towel, uh, one of these disposable blue kitchen towels that you see on a roll. Sure. I put one of those folded into a colander and I pour the melted liquid through it. Now, normally with a kitchen towel, you normally wash them beforehand, um, right. but but you don't want any water in this mixture because any water that gets into contact with the cacao butter will seize it up. It'll turn it into you know, nasty sort of stuff. Yep. we're going to filter the the grounds out, and because we're doing it through this uh, kitchen towel, we can we can u- basically squeeze the kitchen towel to get the last drops of uh, of this cacao. Uh, melted cacao butter with coffee flavour and sweetener in it. And we put it all into a plastic bag, and it could be a Ziploc bag, it could be a a vacuum-sucking bag. And then we go through the same tempering process we spoke about uh, uh, two weeks ago, I think we did it. Yeah, that's right. Basically, we take it up to a melted temperature. Well, it's already there, obviously, because it's melted. So we take it down to 27 Celsius, which is about 80 Fahrenheit, and that is going to set all the crystals the way we want them to be. And then we take it up to our working temperature, which is about 90 Fahrenheit or 32 Celsius. And it can stay there until we're ready to use it. Hmm. And I put these into molds shaped uh, in the shape of coffee beans. Yeah. <laughs> so, and they came out, and they they were delicious. And I made them before I flew to America, and I fully intended to take some with me to America. And of course, I left them all at home. <laughs> By the time ah. I got back from my trip, <laughs> uh, there was only a few left. <laughs> oh well. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's that's my recipe for the day.
1: Very good, very good. Well, that's the show. It's a good one. It was a long one, but uh, it was just a pleasure to to meet uh, Professor Seyfried as I said before and we're very excited about his research
0: yeah of course if you have anything you want to tell us something we said wrong something you don't agree with some more research you found to support or refute anything we've said send it by email to dudes at 2ketodudes.com or post it on our website
1: and you can follow us on Twitter at 2 keto dudes on Instagram at 2 keto dudes. make sure to use the hashtag 2 keto dudes. now we're also on Twitch yeah at 2 keto dudes. Right. 2 keto dudes. yeah <laughs> And, of course, if you want to join the free ketogenic forum, it's forum2 And if useful swag is your fancy t-shirts, coffee mugs, all that other mm-hmm. junk, head mm-hmm. over to gear2 And if you want a shot at getting some of that swag
0: for free, join the 2 Keto Dudes Fan Club. You'll be eligible to win something in every show. Go to fanclub2
1: And if you feel like supporting our forums and all the podcasts we produce, including 2 Keto Dudes, Keto Woman with Daisy Brackenhall, and the <laughs> Obesity Code podcast with Jason Fung and Megan Ramos, think about making a monthly pledge on our patreon page at patreon.2keto.com or just hit the donate button on our website
0: at
1: www.2ketodudes.com or just go to donate.2keto.com you can also see all of our podcasts and other videos and live streams on youtube at youtube.2keto.com and if you haven't already go leave us a
0: review on apple podcasts That's how new people get to know about what we do.
1: Two Keto Dudes is brought to you by Two Keto LLC, who strives to support the low-carb community with podcasts and other publications. And lastly, Richard, keep calm and keto on. Yeah, keep calm and keto on, Carl. All right. And we'll see you next time on on Two Keto 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 Dudes.